Today in Understanding Immigration, FAIR's border trip. We, we're absolutely in the middle of a crisis and the president is yet to be found. And the vice president, the borders are, you know, when she's asked <laughs> if she's gonna go to the border, she actually laughs. We're scrambling just to get basic information, to get anything about what's going on during what is now historically possibly the worst border crisis we've ever seen. You have President Trump's border wall and then it stopped abruptly and you'd see the construction vehicles, the materials there all ready to go. And President Biden, as soon as he entered the Oval Office, he stopped and halted this construction. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Understanding Immigration Podcast. I'm Spencer Raley, FAIR's Director of Research. And today we've got a little bit of a different episode for you. As many of you probably know, uh, FAIR recently took a trip to the southern border to see firsthand not just how bad the immig immigration crisis really is, but also to see how it's impacting Americans and migrants alike that are in that area. So we want to share some of what we witnessed down there uh, on this trip. Preston Hennekins is out today, but I am joined, as always, by Matthew Tregesser from our media shop. And we also have a very special guest, Mark Morgan. Now, Mark has a resume a mile long and knows more about the American immigration system than almost anyone. Currently, he's a senior fellow for FAIR, and formerly, he was the acting director of Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, or probably better known by most of you as ICE, and U.S. Customs and Border Protection, or CBP. So, Mark, I want to thank you for taking the time to jump on our podcast today. And I want to uh, direct the first question to you. First of all, can you describe what you and Matthew witnessed at the southern border, and how does it compare, or can you even compare it, to the 2019 surge at the southern border during the Trump administration? Yes, that's a good question. Look, we, we got down there, and uh, the first night we had dinner, and then right after uh, dinner, a couple hours later, we, we went to the border. And within literally a couple of minutes, I, I, I really believe it was like three or four minutes, we started mm -hmm. seeing a steady stream of unaccompanied minors and families uh, come to this one area within the Rio Grande Valley sector in, in the McAllen area. And we were there for about an hour and it was just a steady stream. Uh, by the time we left, there, there, there was well over a couple hundred unaccompanied minors and uh, family members there. So it, it did harken back to the 2019 crisis. But this is the first time I've seen illegal migrants crossing our border. But but here's a stark difference, though. In 2019, first of all, we were honest with the American people that, that mm -hmm. 2019, we had a crisis, we were experiencing a crisis, and we were trying to do everything we could to prevent and stop it. I think what was new to me uh, this last week when I saw it was, is that we were seeing a crisis unfold before our eyes that was preventable. We warned the, uh, the, the Biden administration prior to the election, after election, we warned them with exhaustive briefings that if they did what they said they were going to do, it would result in the crisis that we were seeing in front of our eyes uh, that week when we were in McAllen, Texas. I'll, I'll also add, too, when we were down there with, with Mark and, of course, Tom Homan, who's a senior fellow at Early Now, I think the, the most striking thing was a lot of these unaccompanied minors and family units, they were not trying to resist Border Patrol agents. They were not trying to evade them they were voluntarily surrendering themselves. And they, and they know full well that under the Biden administration right now, with their uh, immigration policies, especially not full, fully utilizing Title 42, they have virtually no chance of being removed from the country. I mean, it's really a, a one-way ticket in. And uh, I thought that was very surprising. I, I thought I'd see a kind of a different situation, but no, it was a very cool, calm, collected situation. They knew exactly what they were doing, 
or rather the cartels were instructing them exactly what to do. Now, I find that kind of interesting because, you know, in 2019, I'm sure it's happening to some extent now, you had organizations in the United States that were going south of the border and instructing these migrants what to say, what they needed to do to be released into the country. Here's how you take advantage of the loopholes in American asylum law. And, you know, Matthew, you noted that essentially cartels know what to tell them to say now. So what are these migrants saying to Border Patrol when they come to the United States? Are they claiming asylum? Do they just know that the system's overwhelmed and they'll be released? Because everything we're seeing in videos and pictures, they're just coming across the border and in some cases just being, you know, welcomed or, you know, immediately apprehended by Border Patrol. doesn't seem like they're making any attempt to sneak across right now. Yeah, so look, that, that's exactly what we saw in 2019 as well. And, and that's really what drove the crisis, because a series of, of broken elements in our immigration system, and one of them is what we refer to as the FSA, the Flores Settlement Agreement, which says that we could not hold families more than 20 days. Um, and, and we all know we, we can't get through the entire immigration proceeding within 20 days. So that's, in essence, what uh, led to what we, we all know is catch and release by 2019. That's what was really driving the crisis. So we saw that same phenomenon in 2019 where, where families would just walk up and actually sit out, just sit down and, and wait mm-hmm. for uh, a man or woman in the green, border patrol, to, to walk wow. up and, and process them. But wow. again, the difference was, though, is, look, we saw that as a loophole. We knew that was an incredible incentive, right, that if you came to the borders as a family, you were going to be released into the interior United States, never to be heard from again. So we worked really hard to close that loophole down. And that's mm-hmm. where the, the migrant protection protocol, the remain in Mexico, came into play under the Trump administration. Look, that policy single-handedly removed that incentive, and it removed that ability for families to just be released into the interior United States. And, and that policy alone helped dramatically reduce the flow. And now the Biden administration, with a stroke of a pen, took MPP away. Mm-hmm. And so that's just part of what's happening right now that is re-incentivizing and encouraging and facilitating the same phenomenon that we saw in 2019. It's even worse now than it was before. Wow. Um, now, Matthew, uh, you're from our media shop, so you, 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 keep, you keep tabs on this. Uh, Obviously, a lot of the individuals crossing the border right now are, you know, unaccompanied minors. You have single men looking for work. But, you know, I just saw a report that there were a couple of individuals that were apprehended by CBP that are on the terror watch list. First of all, is is that the case? You know, what's the real story behind that? And then, Mark, I'd, I'd like you to follow up and just let us know what kind of national security implications does this border crisis have on the United States right now? Yeah, this is absolutely a phenomenon that's occurring. Just recently, this past week, there were reports that two foreign nationals from Yemen who are on the terror watch list were apprehended. And then actually, the Biden administration kind of scrapped this press release away. And there was a lot of uproar as to, you know, why to the transparency? Why can't I access this information? And they kind of had like a weak excuse as to why they took the press release on the on these two apprehensions down. Uh, Axios had a report uh, about a month ago saying that Border Patrol apprehended four individuals who were on the terror watch list. So again, it, it is definitely a threat. You know, the vast majority of these people coming here are not gonna be on the terror watch list, obviously, but it is a threat. Uh, I think many people understand, fully understand that the border is wide open right now. Uh, you know, these detention facilities are at full capacity. Border Patrol is strained and I think it is a perfect opportunity for someone from that terror watch list to come to our southern border because it's not very secure right now. 
Yeah, what, what, what I can add, this, this is why we've been saying for a very long time why borders matter and why we've been saying specifically it's a national security issue and threat. What happens a lot of times is we're spending a lot of bandwidth and a lot of time on the, the illegal immigrant just coming here looking for a, a, a better life, a better job, you know, better home, better vehicle, et cetera. And I understand that. But look, the threats that we face along uh, our, really all our borders, but specifically our southwest border, are vast and complex. And, and what we saw just this past week with the two individuals that were on the, the, the terror watch list is just one example of many with respect to the complex overlapping threats we face on a southwest border. Now, look, I, I don't want to overhype it. What, there's a lot we don't know about these two individuals because, as Matt said, uh, it was taken down and this administration hasn't talked to American people about that. What we do know is they were they were on the the, the, the terrorist uh, screening base a database, which means at a minimum we have reasonable suspicion that they had ties to criminal uh, terrorist organizations or terrorists themselves. We don't know if in fact they are known as terrorists, and so we have to keep that in perspective. But regardless, that's still a tremendous threat, and what that represents is again, it's not just about. Uh, migrants coming to our borders illegally looking for a better way of life. And as I said before, right now, with the numbers that are skyrocketing, March was 171,000. That's about 6,000 a day. You have a tremendous amount of border patrol resources that are pulled off the line to provide that humanitarian assistance to the unaccompanied minors and families, leaving large areas of the border wide open and unsecure. Look, we saw this tactic in 2019, and it's happening now. We saw it in, in, in living color when we were down there. The, the cartels are going to shove families and, and unaccompanied minors in one location so that they can get criminal aliens and, and drugs through another area that's unsecure. Uh, that's what we saw. That's what's happening right now. And look, what should be what we should be talking more about is not just those that were apprehended, again, 171,000 in March, but we should also be talking about those who are not apprehending mm -hmm. because of this, because of the spike, because of the surge, the crisis level numbers of families and unaccompanied minors. They're looking at about a thousand gotaways a day. That's a thousand individuals that are getting past Border Patrol agents and, and going into towns and cities throughout this country. And mark my words, they're, they're not all upstanding citizens. That's where you're getting criminal aliens, rapists, murderers, pedophiles that are coming across and two individuals like we just discussed. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point because with how you know with 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 the Biden administration scaling back so much of not just border security but also interior enforcement, we know that a lot of in individuals are just most individuals are just you know giving up at the border, knowing that they're going to be released into the interior. But we're still hearing that you know a thousand a day, maybe even more than a thousand a day, uh, you know individuals a day are escaping into the country undetected by border patrol. And we don't know anything about them, you know, and if they're if they're still trying to get away into the country, what does that say about, you know, their intentions? And of course, there's very little spotlight being shown on, you know, the you know drug smuggling in the United States, human trafficking, that sort of thing right now, because everyone's just paying attention to the border crisis and those that are, are being you know detained and, you know, put into put into all these facilities. So I think it is very important that we continue to keep that in mind and, you know, remind the American people that that's a problem as well. And, you know, the cartels are taking advantage of it. Yeah, Spencer, i tell you what, you're absolutely right. We've talked a lot about the, what I call the front end on the border, as we should, right? That That's the that's where the crisis is and begins. But we should continue to talk about what I refer to as the back end, what you're talking about. So this administration has not just dismantled 
and encouraged and facilitated illegal entry at our borders and basically created reception centers. But also they've dismantled uh, the interior enforcement. They've reduced 9% of ICE's interior enforcement authorities. Uh, so they basically created a sanctuary country on the back end. So look, mm-hmm. let's just stay on the, the gotaways for a moment because the numbers continue to skyrocket. We're going to be looking anywhere between 1.4 to 2 million apprehensions this fiscal year. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But as those numbers go up, so do the gotaways. So it's very mm-hmm. easily we're looking, we could be looking at 200,000 gotaways, 200,000 individuals that are coming to this country. With no documentation, we know nothing about them. And, and right now, though, under the current administration guidelines, those individuals will not be a priority uh, mm-hmm. for, for ICE to lawfully remove. It's just unconscionable. It's reckless, irresponsible, and it jeopardizes our national security. You know, that, that's really alarming to me. You know, FAIR recently put out an estimate of how many illegal aliens, you know, live in the United States right now. And we found that the population didn't grow by as much in 2020 due to the pandemic as, you know, previous years, but it still grew by a little more than 100,000. Now, we're talking 200,000 individuals escaping into the country, and most likely most of them are going to stay here. And again, like you mentioned, since the deportation priorities have been largely reduced to only those who have multiple serious crimes committed, maybe not even all of them, you can assume that, you know, most of those individuals are going to remain in the country. And that doesn't even cover those who overstay visas here in the United States. So we're going to see the illegal alien population increase tremendously, you know, over the next over the next year or two. And I think that's really problematic, especially in the middle of, you know, the ongoing recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic and millions and millions of Americans are without work. So maybe this is a question for either of you. You know, why is this not a bigger priority for the Biden administration, especially with the economy in the state that it's in right now? Yeah, think about it. You know, uh, just last month, when President Biden went on that press conference saying that, you know, these surges and increases that we're seeing at our southern border are just part of this usual seasonal influx that we usually Mm -hmm. see. But, I mean, you just look at the numbers that officially came out today, the March apprehension figures. And as Mark said, 170,000 for the month of March. That is the largest total for a month since 2006, a 15-year time period uh, unaccompanied minors, eight, some 18,000 for March. That is the largest on record. So if you think about it, I mean, this is well beyond uh, just any type of usual se- seasonal increase that we see. Uh, this is something that I, I don't know if, if the Biden administration is too embarrassed to admit fault that they've created a system where they've dismantled our border security and immigration enforcement apparatus so much that the numbers are just hitting historic records. I don't know, but it, it, it's being ignorant or just in complete denial about what's really happening. And it's really a shame to the American people and, you know, people that work in the front lines at the border. Yeah. So I, I, I have a little uh, kind of a different spin because we talked about kind of what their strategy is. Quite frankly, I think they're executing their strategy. Look right now. And I think it's very important. The individuals that are coming to our border right now, the, the, how this administration defines getting a hold of it or managing it, Look, it's very different than it was under the Trump administration. Under the Trump administration, our strategy was to prevent, apprehend, detain, and lawfully remove. That's hard to do. That that takes a a concentrated United States government of effort to to be able to do across multiple departments, multiple components and agencies within departments. But we were doing a pretty darn good job. We were getting better every single day. 
This administration, be careful. When they say they're going to manage this crisis, what they mean by manage is, is they're going to re get really good at establishing effective reception centers mm -hmm. at our borders and releasing people as fast as humanly possible. That's what they mean. And then on the back end, not removing them lawfully, removing ISIS authority. That's very, very important. And that's what we're faced right now. And, and so we need to be careful. They're going to get uh, good pretty quick at releasing people and it not feeling like the overwhelming catastrophic crisis it is. And that's what should be alarming. Everybody coming in today, everybody that's being apprehended today, right, uh, other than single adults because of Title 42, they're being released in the United States never to be heard from again. Look, so from a from a national sovereignty perspective, from a rule of law perspective, from a national security uh, a perspective, we talked about as well as economic perspective. It, it makes no sense. I've been doing this for 35 years. So the only conclusion that I have come to is, no, they're, they're executing their strategy because they see a perceived political benefit uh, through illegal immigration, either through the census, through increasing seats uh, in the House or they believe every uh, illegal alien they can give a pathway to citizenship, they believe that's going to equate to a democratic vote. So I think what we're seeing is power and politics at its worst. It's disgusting. It's jeopardizing this country every single day. You know, it's that's that's a great point. And, you know, it's really alarming. And you've already seen a number of uh, Democrats and open border advocates in Congress suggest, oh, maybe what we need to do right now is is give CBP a couple of billion dollars more, which, you know, to everyone sounds great. They need the help. But when you look at the fine print, they're essentially saying, yes, to build more detention facilities, to, you know, create more processing, not to fund the border wall, to put more border patrol on the, you know, southern border to keep people from coming to the United States or to boost deportation efforts. These are all efforts to bring these migrants into the country. And as we're still seeing talks of amnesty come up, very likely eventually give them some form of amnesty. Spencer, I'll tell you what. So let me jump here. I apologize, mm -hmm. but no, no problem. you're spot on. But let's take a look at this right now. So there's HHS right now is building a temporary facility for, for minors, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. That cost is going to be around $800 million. All that is is designed to be a more effective reception center to get better at receiving and releasing. Look, you can take that same money. Let's give it to Mexico so they could shore up their facilities, mm -hmm. reinstate the migrant protection protocol to remain in Mexico, mm -hmm. right? So they're, they're not releasing the country. They've got to remain in Mexico. Take that money and build hearing facilities like we did under the Trump administration. Yeah. You do that, I guarantee you, I promise you, the numbers will drastically go down just like they did under the Trump administration. Yeah, absolutely. And and on that topic, just the immense pressure on Border Patrol agents, especially right now, they're without formal leadership at the moment. You know, and so as a as the former, you know, leader of CBP, how is how is this impacting the morale of our law enforcement at the border, of Border Patrol agents, and who's really running the show at the moment? Yeah, so I think it's look. There's there's an acting CBP commissioner. Uh, quite frankly, I was an acting CBP commissioner. Mm -hmm. Always there. The adjective, you know, in front of commissioner to the to the men and women out there on the front lines, they don't care about it. All they want are the tools, the policies, and authorities to do their job to safeguard our borders effectively and safely. They have that under the Trump administration. Look, that's what they want. They don't care what your title is. They really don't care at the end of the day who's in charge. They just want leaders to step up there, give them those authorities, give them those tools like the Trump administration did. And more importantly, they want them out there to be honest with them as well as the American people and support them. And that's what they're not getting. 
They've seen it for their own eyes. The current DHS secretary, Ali Mayorkas, has got out there. He's gone well beyond uh, political spin or misdirection. He's actually got out there and blatantly lied to the American people. Look, because his congressional testimony, he said a couple of things. One, he said our borders are secure. That's laughable. It's a joke and it's a blatant lie. He said our borders aren't closed. Again, it's absurd and it's laughable. And at that moment is when he lost all 63,000 employees Mm -hmm. of CBP because they know darn well our borders aren't secure. They know darn well that if you're an unaccompanied minor or you're a family unit right now, our borders are wide open to you. And our borders are getting less secure every day as the numbers are skyrocketing. Our resources are pulled off to provide that humanitarian assistance as I provided. And Godaways are skyrocketing over a thousand a day. So no, Mr. Secretary, our borders mm-hmm. are secure and they are wide open if you fall into a certain demographic. The other thing I'll add, Spencer, is, you know, President Biden has yet to go down this, to the southern border. Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, who's, you know, this border uh, position manager of some sort, hasn't gone down to the border at all. And it's, you know, there were reports of, of uh, the administration putting a gag order on media members to access, you know, the facilities and interview uh, agents down there. And it's like, you know, what kind of message are, are you sending out to not only the people that are working there, but, you know, to the rest of the country? What are they hiding that they don't want the American public or the rest of the world to see? Mark and I, we were just a few miles from the Donna facility uh, near McAllen. That place is way over capacity. There's been limited media access. And again, it's the Biden administration is orchestrating this. They want to make sure as few people as possible see what's going on in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I I tell you what, Matt's absolutely right on that. And and the listeners here need, look, they can can make a difference. I I, I think they already are. I, I think fair is making a difference. I think this podcast makes a difference because what we're trying to do is, is you know, push people to to become aware and become educated. And I think because of that, uh, they, they have oh, they've just begun to open up very limited people allowed mm-hmm. into the facilities. They just started to open up to allow some limited uniform personnel to talk now. Look, I think we most of us seen that that viral video where where a political appointee was standing in front of. Uh, an elected senator of the United States uh, uh, refusing to let him uh, do his job to video what's happening there so the American people mm-hmm. know the truth instead of the spending the lies that are being told. Uh, so, so we're making a difference. It's starting to open up, but it's still not where it needs to be. Look, when I was a, the, the acting commissioner of CBP, look, I, I, I mandated, I encouraged uh, local leadership to get out there to engage the media. I encourage them to get a Twitter account to get out there and talk to the American people. Let them into facilities. We get we provided more congressional delegations in 2019 than I think in the history before. Uh, this president he, he made it very clear that that the mandate was for us to get out there and engage the the, the media. Uh, I held formal press conferences every single month. We gave every single stat and statistic that was out there. Mm-hmm. We took questions from the right, from the left, hard, softball, the whole nine yards. Everything was fair game because that is what the American people deserve. And we were honest with them. That has all gone away. And yeah. this administration, and like Matt said, I mean, where is the president? We, we're absolutely in the middle of a crisis and the president is yet to be found. And the vice president, the borders are, you know, when she's asked <laughs> if she's going to go to the border, she actually laughs. She yes. actually laughs. And then just this past week, she was in she was in California, just not far from the border. She goes and, and, and she'll get she'll get cake in Chicago and she'll go to other <laughs> places and she won't go to the border. 
But I've got a little different spin on that. Remember, because the vice president is the same person as the senator referred to ICE as the KKK and called yep. the men and women racist. When she was an AG of California, she bragged about how she uh, forbid law enforcement there to work with federal authorities to remove criminal aliens from their cities. She said we should decriminalize illegal immigration and that we should totally uh, dismantle ICE and start from scratch. I mean, that's that's literally the worst person mm -hmm. that you could pick to be the border czar as our current vice president. Um, I mean, that's like putting the, the, the coyote in charge of the hen house. And I got to tell you, quite frankly, I'm actually glad she's not going anywhere near the border. She, she's just going to make a crisis that much more worse. <laughs> Some, sometimes with bad leadership, absence is better than actually being involved. You know, that's one thing, you know, as being in charge of the research shop here at FAIR, that we really appreciated during your tenure and during, you know, the time uh, of the Trump administration is I had more statistics and access than I could work with. You know, I, I could be writing 50 blogs a day with the information I'm seeing out now. But now it's we're scrambling just to get basic information, to get anything about what's going on during what is now historically possibly the worst border crisis we've ever seen. So on that note, I want to just direct this final question to both of you. And it's, it's you know, we've talked a lot about solutions already, but what changes does the, does the Biden administration have to make to finally end the border crisis? Yeah, so, so this is a great question. So it's twofold, though. What should they do? And really, what are they going to do? Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, right. That, that's the issue. And so I, I, clearly, I think they've shown their hand. And again, especially appointing somebody like the vice president to be czar, they're, they're clearly sending a message where they're at and where they're headed. Um, look, they, they need to restore uh, uh, some key uh, uh, Trump air policies. Again, the remain in Mexico, the asylum cooperative agreements that we have with the Northern Triangle countries. Those are just two key elements. Title 42 for unaccompanied minors as we're still going through a global pandemic. And they also need to do what we've been asking Congress to do, actually, quite frankly, for decades. They need to take a look at the TVPRA, right, that, that treats children and, and minors differently from Mexico than countries outside of Mexico. We yeah. need to address the floor settlement agreement, which which mandates we cannot hold families more than 20 days, which means that, that they have to be released unless we have something like the Remain in Mexico program. And we need to address the credible fear standard. Look, unfortunately, though, I don't think any of those are going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it, and they're clearly that they've indicated that. So this is where the states come in. This is where the viewers and listeners of this podcast come in. You need to contact your state's AGs, your governors, your state legislatures and get them involved and tell them that they need to step up like the AG of Texas did, where he sued uh, the, the, the Biden administration for their you know 100 uh, day deportation uh, limitations. And they won. And they yeah. got enjoyed mm -hmm. for the entire country. We need more states to do that and step up. Is this administration? that we know where they're headed. Yes, yeah, Spencer, I'll also add just from uh, my observations down at the, at the border, you know, there were large sections of the border that had absolutely no border wall. In fact, we'll, we'll be releasing uh, footage here of what we saw uh, in the next couple of days. But I mean, literally, you have President Trump's border wall and then it stopped abruptly and you'd see the construction vehicles, the materials there all ready to go. And President Biden, as soon as he entered the Oval Office, he stopped and halted this construction. So again, you know, this is a region, the Rio Grande Valley, that doesn't have a lot of border wall compared to other sectors. Uh, you know, they could absolutely use it down there. You know, it, there's a lot of earmarked money already uh, for it, funded by taxpayers, being all wasted now, jeopardizing our national security. Um, but I think everything that Mark said is, is spot on. I think that those are the, the, the perfect things that could ideally 
help and work, but you know, I, I don't see the Biden administration really trying to, to do any of those things or trying to implement any of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, I'll just add, you know, uh, some things that may not seem directly related to border security would be very useful and important as well, such as making E-Verify mandatory. Because if you cut mm-hmm. off the jobs magnet, if you cut off all these incentives, fewer people are going to want to come to the United States in the first place. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, Mark, I think it's very important that, you know, each of you, our listeners, and you know everyone else, all the American people, put pressure on their lawmakers. Put pressure on the Biden administration. You know, we've already seen after the first round of polling came out and showed that, you know, the vast majority of Americans think this is a crisis and think that the Biden administration is doing the wrong thing. At least the Biden administration finally acknowledged this was a crisis and started changing their tune. You know, if we let up pressure now, they're just going to continue with the status quo and like and like we've already covered just bring all these individuals in the United States. I think it's very important that everyone stays involved and continues to put pressure on their elected officials um, if we're going to see any kind of change here. All right, I think that's about all the time we have for today. Again, Mark, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. This has been a great discussion, and we hope that you, our listeners, enjoyed today's episode and perhaps learned something new. As a reminder, we'll be releasing a new episode every other Monday, And this entire podcast is available on most uh, streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also visit our website, fairus.org, and our Twitter page, at Fair Immigration, to access episodes as well. So please continue to spread the word for us. We hope that each and every one of you are continuing to stay safe and sound. And until next time, this has been Understanding Immigration, presented by Fair.